Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Well, hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is Sandy Weiner, and I am the Chief Love Officer at LastFirstDate.com. I am the dating and love coach for women over 40 who want to attract and sustain a lasting, loving relationship with a focus on being healthy. And so it never doesn't matter how long you have been in relationships that didn't work, I believe it's never too late to have the love you want, which is why I'm speaking today with writer and speaker uh, Thomas Pfeiffer about how to leave a dysfunctional relationship in order to make room for true love. And I'm very excited about this topic. It's near and dear to my heart. And as a dating coach myself, I love helping women and also many men over 40 recognize the qualities in a partner um, and how to learn the relationship skills that it takes to make love last. And most people don't realize that there actually are skills you can learn and that it's not too late, no matter how old you are, or as I said, how dysfunctional your relationships have been in the past. And what I find is that we often make mistakes and sabotage our relationships without even realizing it. And um, I have identified the top three ways that um, midlife daters sabotage their relationships uh, and also the turnarounds, how they can do better next time. Um, These are actionable exercises and I've created an online uh, gift for you in a free free guide and I would love for you to have a copy if you haven't grabbed one yet. Um, All you have to do is go to lastfirstdate.com and sign up on my homepage because I would love for you to go on your last first date. Today's show is sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken entertainment and information. I love Audible. I have so many Audible books that I've listened to. And what's great is you can listen to them whenever or wherever you like, whether you're on in the gym, outside walking, in your car. It's great to be able to read a book or listen to a book and get through tons of books Um, using Audible. So if you would like to get a free book and a free 30-day free trial, you can sign up at audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. My guest today is Thomas Pfeiffer. He is the executive editor at The Good Men Project, where I am now a contributing author. He's a graduate of Yale University, and he has an MA in creative writing from the University of Illinois at Chicago. He's a professional writer, a speaker, and a storyteller, and he focuses on diagnosing and healing dysfunctional relationships. His books, Why It Can't Work, Detaching from Dysfunctional Relationships to Make Room for True Love, and his other book, What is Love? A Guide for the Perplexed to Matters of the Heart, are both available on Amazon. He lives in Connecticut, just like me, and he's working on his first novel. Very cool. So welcome to the show, Thomas. Thanks, Sandy. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you. So as you heard, dysfunctional relationships are near and dear to my heart. Unfortunately, um, I've experienced 
my share and all of my clients really have come to me because they have had trouble getting out of dysfunctional relationships. So let's first define your definition of what you think a dysfunctional relationship is. Sure. Uh, well, I'd first like to say that all of our relationships are probably a little bit dysfunctional. <laughs> so okay. you know, everybody has experienced versions or variations of this at one time or another. And also, full-blown dysfunctional relationships are fairly easy to get into, even for really smart, well-educated, emotionally intelligent people. It, it is surprisingly easy to fall into uh, dysfunctional patterns. So there's no shame in anybody coming forward and saying, you know, I'm in this or I've, mm. I've been in this. Uh, to me, the hallmark of it really is that you're unhappy, your needs are not being met, because to me relationships are about getting various needs met, needs for companionship and communication and intimacy and trust and love and all the good things that come with that. So if the relationship isn't meeting your needs and you're unhappy in it and you're trying to communicate with your partner about that and you're unable for whatever reason to communicate effectively about it and the problems that are plaguing you are just not getting resolved um, in any type of constructive way, uh, then I would say the relationship is, is dysfunctional. And then there are a number of patterns uh, that play out commonly in dysfunctional relationships. And the first big article I wrote for the Good Men Project about that is called The Seven Deadly Signs of a Dysfunctional Relationship, How to Recognize the Signs of a Rotten Relationship Before It's Too Late. And I'll, I'll just go through those quickly. The first one is tedium. You have the same argument over and over again and never resolve it. You have blame. Everything is always your fault. You have a partner who's who's constantly blaming you, or maybe you're constantly blaming your partner either way. There's guilt, where one or the other partner is constantly apologizing, even for things they didn't do. Uh, there's tension. Uh, you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop, even when things are going well. Uncertainty, you know, not knowing who you're going to come home to or what mood your partner's going to be in. Frustration really hard to work together and get even the simplest things done, whether it's just as a couple or whether you're co-parenting. And then the seventh one is a sense of hopelessness. You really feel like there's a dark cloud over your life and your relationship that won't go away and, and you can't see the way out. So, you know, there are, again, variations of those and those aren't all of the signs necessarily, but if, let's say, four or five of those seven things are happening, chances are you're in a dysfunctional relationship. Yeah. So a lot of people do experience many of these uh, signs, and then they, they, they recognize that it's dysfunctional, and they stay anyway. So why might somebody stay in a really, really dysfunctional relationship? Well, there can be various reasons, but what it boils down to is if you're staying in something that isn't serving you in sort of the primary ways that you need to be served, you know, again, trust, intimacy, communication, love, support, whatever, it's serving you in some other way. You're getting something out of it, and what you're getting out of it is probably unhealthy, uh, but it is filling a hole, helping a wound, doing doing something for you. There's some payoff for you in that relationship, and this is often a hard thing for people in the relationships to confront, uh, but what I like to say is, is in a dysfunctional relationship, there's generally a controlling partner, the person who brings 
primary patterns of, of dysfunction and dysfunctional communication and relating to the relationship. And then there's a contributing partner. There's a person who is dancing with that person and to a degree enabling some of the behavior. Again, I'm, not, I'm never saying it's somebody's fault you know, when the bad stuff is happening, but there's, there is a degree to which the behavior gets enabled. So people stay because some other need is getting met, or they stay because even though they're really unhappy and miserable, they just don't see a way out. They'd rather try to fix it. They think that, that it's fixable, and they don't want to give up. They're not quitters. Um, and they think that if I just try this thing one more time, if I just give a little bit more, if I just answer the question differently, whatever it is. But um, I, I still remember when my son, he's now 13, but he came home from, uh, might have been first or second grade one day, and he said, Dad, I learned something in school today. I said, what did you learn? He said, a pattern is something that repeats itself. And that really stuck in my head. A pattern is something that repeats itself. So if you're in a dysfunctional relationship, these patterns are repeating themselves. And no matter what you try, unless you see what you're in and apply some of the tools that we're going to talk about, you can't break the pattern. Yeah. Well, those are those are two really, really good ways of looking at why people stay. And I, I think that um, one of the things I learned in coaching school was that there are people who are addicted to negative behaviors, that they get right. something out of that. So, you know, it's maybe they like when people pity them, when they act like a victim, um, right? You know, but there is some sort of addiction to that—that that the attention they get for negativity. And Ab- I think, absolutely. you know, so the and then the quitter thing I think is really interesting. I think for people who are um, who are on the receiving end of the dis- of the controlling person, um, I've seen that pattern repeated quite a bit. And I have to say that I was. I was one of those people. Um, I just refused to believe that there wasn't some way that I could somehow get through that using right. the right language, putting the right you know information. And this even happened after my marriage was over um, in terms of parenting. Um, well, maybe if I could just be you know logically put the put the information out there in a way that he could understand, and he just can't understand the same language that I understand. So it's, it's what so I did hard. in the end, it is. Um, but I decided to just get help for myself, and I said, well, if I can't get through, I've got to become the best parent possible. I've got to figure right. out what's the lesson in this. Um, you know, what what are my children trying to teach me, and how can I do this myself in the best way I can? Um, so that's a whole other that's a whole other conversation. Is you know, parenting with a sure. functional. Thanks. <laughs> but yes, yeah. <laughs> right. That would be all other other interview. But you know, the the interesting thing is that I think the smarter we are or think we are, you know, the more capable and rational and and you know emotionally together we think we are, the more we we try to fix it. The more we think, oh, I can fix this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we have to be able to recognize the qualities in a person that are not fixable. And I think that exactly. that was a big um, shift in my relationship um, skills and what I teach to clients as well is recognizing right away you're in you're in a relationship that is not going to be able to work out and how to get out quickly. So, right. So let's back up and talk about um, some of the causes of this relationship dynamic. These these 
dysfunctional relationship dynamics? What are some of the key causes? Well, I think some people bring uh, dysfunctional patterns of relating. They, they bring that from their childhood or they bring it from past relationships. You know, the, it, it, it's not it's not innate. That, that, that's the thing is, is for a lot of us, this healthy communication and healthy conflict resolution and being able to listen in a certain way and not judge, that stuff doesn't come naturally. The opposite of it comes mm-hmm. naturally. Having a reaction or, or, you know, flying off the handle or, or is, is sort of a, a programmed instinctive response to a lot of stuff. So even if we come from a fairly uh, healthy background, it, it, it can be easy if we're not aware of what's happening uh, to get into that. But but certainly I would say, and again, without judging people and their past experiences or traumas, because those are all really hard things that people have been through, that, that often the controlling partner will bring uh, from childhood development um, unhealthy patterns of relating to people. And really what those are is their coping mechanisms that someone developed to go through something really tough. And those coping mechanisms worked to deal with a dysfunctional parent or to deal with a dysfunctional family situation. And then they bring those coping mechanisms to the new relationship with a you know, fairly healthy partner, and they're using them, but they're not appropriate. They're not the right tools for the relationship. So you know, maybe walking away and not talking was the way to deal with a dysfunctional parent, but walking away and not talking is not the way to deal with a partner or a spouse who's actually trying to talk to you and figure out what's going wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we watch what our parents do, and sometimes we learn the right thing to do, and sometimes we learn the wrong thing to do. Um, right. And often and we learn, we know what we don't want to repeat, and we don't really mm-hmm. know how to replace it with healthy behaviors. That's that's right. And And sometimes we try to avoid what we saw our parents do, and, and that can get us into trouble too. You know, my, my mother was a yeller. She would scream at me if I did something wrong, and I hated being yelled at. So I, you know, I'm not going to raise my voice. Well, you know what? There were times when I should have raised my voice, whether it's with my mm-hmm. kids or, you know, there, there are times when, when actually getting upset, you know, and, and, and vocalizing that, I mean, not going into rage. Rage is always inappropriate, but there, but there are times when, you know, hey, I'm really angry about this. I'm really upset. It, 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 it's okay to express that, and you don't have to stuff that in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that we're often afraid of anger, especially if we've experienced mm-hmm. rage. And right. I know in my life, I also grew up with a bunch of yellers and screamers and, um, and, and also really unclear communication. So there was... Right a lot of mind reading expected. Um, you know, didn't didn't you do what I asked? Well, you never asked, and I have no idea what you're talking about. So, uh, you know, for me, I kept looking for for some clue as to how to do this better, which is why I focus a lot on communication skills in my work. Um, right. I'm offering a course starting next week on how to communicate, especially for women to communicate with men because we just don't get it. We don't get it intuitively, like you said. And I, I think that's a great way to put it, that it's more instinctive to fly off the handle, to be reactive right. than it is to process and slow down and really even identify emotions. We don't even know what we're feeling. That's that's so accurate. And then we also don't realize that you know, when, when the pattern starts, what, once the pattern starts, there, there's a whole, actually, very predictable set of 
reactions from both people that, that they almost can't help. You know, something gets triggered and then something else gets triggered and then suddenly it's into the argument and it's the same argument you've had and you're like, how did I get here? <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, but so it, it's it's learning to shortstop some of those um, reactions and some of those things that do trigger the uh, the dysfunctional pattern because because once it starts it's really hard to to back out of that. Yeah, that's really true. And I think that what you're reminding me of is also that it's not just in romantic relationships that these patterns happen. That I remember many years ago I was I had uh, gotten into a little accident. I pulled into my new my new garage um, in my new house here in Connecticut and. I wasn't used to pulling into a garage, and I lopped off my side mirror. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, so the, the mirror kind of went into my door, and we brought the car into the car dealer, and he was a friend of my ex-husband's family. So the guy lied to me. He told me that they replaced the door, and I knew that he didn't, and he was charging the insurance for it because I could see that it was right. obvious to me. He really did not respect anything I had to say. He made it out like I was some kind of insane person. And I, I remember feeling so powerless that I started to lose my cool with him. And and I know it got back to the family that Sandy's some kind of crazy lunatic. And, and that sticks with me so much because I wish that I had the skills to say what I had to say in a better way. Um, but that's a pattern that I probably repeated you know, with other men um, in other relationships, that sense of powerlessness, that sense of right. I'm trying to say what I want to say and be as empowered as I can be. Um, so it took me a long time to, to get those skills and also know who not to talk to. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, you know, that, 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 with. That, that comes back to something you mentioned before about people sort of going into to victim role where, you know, I'm not saying you did this, but but playing the role of the powerless person is something mm-hmm. that happens in dysfunctional relationships too, where you know one partner is acting as if he or she is constantly victimized either by the other person or or you know outside of that too. So you know mm-hmm. if if you find yourself with someone who is always talking about how his or her boss is victimizing that person or the friends and all of that. You know, if if that's happening everywhere in their life, then you might want to look at that and say, well, the common denominator is the person, not yeah. the boss or yeah. the friend or whatever, and so there's something else going on there. Yeah, yeah. I I grew up with a lot of finger pointing and blaming, and um, and it's so important to take responsibility for your share in in anything. And I had a I had there was a discussion I was reading on Facebook. There are some singles groups. And I, I enjoy reading what people have to say about different situations that come up. And the, the subject of dysfunctional relationships came up and abuse. And I put out there that it, it's, it's never just one-sided. You know, as much right. as abuse hurts, it does take two. And this one guy was like, how naive can you be? And I just I left the conversation. <laughs> I wasn't going to have a Facebook conversation with someone who I don't know about a topic that's really heated. But I right. do, it took me a long time to understand the dynamics of that, which is what you were talking about before, that um, right. there's and always two. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard because um, when, when one person feels wronged, you know, the, the first thing we want to do is blame the other person for wronging us. Brene Brown has a wonderful little three minute video on, on blame that everybody should watch mm-hmm. if you if you can. It's 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 
both hilarious and, and, and totally trenchant on it. Um, but yeah, I love it. I'm a coffee cup. And <laughs> yes, exactly. It's her husband's fault that she broke the coffee yeah. mug. Uh, but I'm a believer in what I call the grain of truth theory, that you know, when when a partner levels a criticism at you or is upset about something, there's almost always a grain of truth in what the person is saying. Some feeling has been hurt. Mm-hmm. Something has happened. So, but it's often the way that information is conveyed because that information can be conveyed as a criticism of you or as an insult towards you or whatever it is instead of making it about the partner's feeling. So that, that brings it back to what you're talking about with communication. If we learn how to communicate effectively with someone when we're feeling hurt, when we're feeling disrespected, when we're feeling not honored in some way, how do you bring that to your partner's attention without attacking the other person and putting the other person on defensive and then starting that dysfunctional argumentative cycle? Yeah, that's it's such an important differentiation between how people normally argue um, and how you argue is so important. Um, and argument right. is part of relationship. And I think that's another thing is I dated so many men who said, I never argued with my wife. And I'm like, did you have an honest relationship with her? Because, <laughs> right. I mean, it's impossible. Like, you are always going to have differences of opinion. It's how you do it. But people are, are petrified of any kind of confrontation. Um so so let's talk about you're in a dysfunctional relationship. Um, and so, you know, I think what people don't realize, it's not about like never, ever getting into one again. I think that's an important distinction. It's that you probably yes. will end up in another one, um, but you'll be able to hopefully recognize the signs really early on. So, um, so how do you know, like what signs are there early on that, that tell you that it's time to leave? Well, when... When one is when you start to feel emotionally unhealthy yourself, when when you really start to realize that the ways that you are responding and reacting to things, the the way that you're interacting with your partner is unhealthy as well. You know whether whether you're getting into a a, a rage, you know you're being triggered in that way, or or something else is happening. Um, the, the that seventh point from the seven signs, that sense of hopelessness where, you know, I just don't know how I'm going to go on. I mean, you know, I, I, I know I'm in this. I, I, I need to get out of this, but I don't see a way out. So, and you get sort of stuck in that, um, in that loop. Um, you know, sometimes your work uh, will suffer. Um, your friendships uh, will suffer. A lot of times, you know, and this gets into more with narcissism and other things that play into dysfunctional relationships, but sometimes controlling partners will try to pull you away from the people, you know, your family and other people who care about you. So that could be another sign. Uh, but, you know, the the key to me to, to beginning to even really see getting out as an option and to want to get out is to take control of your emotional health back, is to stop blaming your emotional health, problems with that on the relationship, or particularly on your other partner, but but on the relationship and say, you know what, it's to this degree now, it's me. I can do something about this. I can make myself an emotionally healthy person. I can go get help. I can I can realize that I'm engaged in these dysfunctional patterns, and I can try to fix what I'm doing, my contribution to it, because that's all you can control. You cannot fix 
the other person. Even in marriage counseling, it's really, really hard when you're in these mm-hmm. patterns because people set in and honestly, you know, as as good as the marriage counselor is, and there's some wonderful ones out there, each partner is trying to use, in, in a highly dysfunctional relationship, each partner is trying to use that marriage counselor to support their side of it and, and to get the win mm-hmm. and to embarrass or insult the other person and prove that that the other one is crazy. So I would say go see your own therapist. Say, I realize I'm in an emotionally unhealthy situation. I want to get well. Not I want to fix the relationship, not I want to fix my partner, but I want to get well. And then as you get well, your partner will either begin to get well with you, will either start to respect boundaries and begin to relate to you in a different way if he or she is capable of that, or the person won't. And if the person doesn't, then it's then it's really time to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a good distinction to make, that you need to help yourself, that you can't push right change on anybody and it just won't work um right. and often when you change people don't like it <laughs> they mm. um you know no, they don't like, wait a minute i was used to this other person and what happened to that person absolutely um, yeah yeah but I, I remember the, i remember a yeah. shift like that when um uh you know i was i was in a relationship where um a person used to get really angry with me and then drive off or run away, you know, basically. Mm -hmm. And so I would always chase after, you know, oh, I'm sorry, you know, do you want me to pick you up, go looking for this person, you know, where are you? You And finally I said, you know, I'm not going to do that today. And the other person was like, what? You know, it was like, whoa, you're not following me? You're not chasing after me? You're not begging me for forgiveness? What is going on here? Yep. Well, you're not feeding, you're not fueling the fire. You're not, you're right. not that's why it takes two. And the dance, mm-hmm. when the dance ends, the other person's looking for the other part of it to make it, to make the, right. the dysfunction happen. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. When, when my daughter first got engaged to her husband, her now husband, they've been married about four years, um, she was, they were all sitting around the table, we were eating dinner together. And she did some annoying behavior, and he um, he kind of just, like, turned away and didn't feel it, and mm-hmm. she stopped. And she turned mm-hmm. to us and said, it works when he does it, but don't you ever try. <laughs> it, was <just> like, <laughs> it was really funny. But that was one of the things that I recognized about their relationship right away is that they know how to help each other. They know They know right. how to see... They're each other's best self and to encourage it. And they knew That's how to great. communicate well with each other. And I talked about that at their engagement party. And I, I think, you know, it, it's so important that we teach our children how to function better than we did. And mm-hmm. um, and that's, you know, that's probably the best the best reward is changing the legacy of, of brokenness and dysfunction for the next generation. Yes, Definitely. Um, so we only have a few minutes left. There's so much to talk about. <laughs> but um, <laughs> let's talk about um, recognizing the healthy qualities of a partner for the future. What 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 should people be looking for? Sure. Um, for me, the number one uh, need in a relationship, and the number one um, you know thing thing that one looks for and demands is respect. I think it all starts with respect. Um, everything flows from that. So um, if, you, if 
you find a person being disrespectful to you, even in even in sort of a joking way, um, that that's a problem, and it's something that you would need to address right away. You know, when you say this, I feel disrespected. So, you know, that's that's sort of the traditional hallmark communication way. When you say X, I I feel Y. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you know what 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 does respect mean? Well, respect is honoring boundaries. Respect is um, not uh, mocking somebody or or pointing out flaws or being dismissive. Respect is listening to somebody, even if you know you don't agree completely with what they say. Not not interrupting. Not talking over. Uh, somebody, not uh, just sort of trashing somebody's opinion. Uh, it's respecting somebody's time. You know, it's showing up on time for things and and mm-hmm. uh, and being apologetic uh, if you're not. And um, and it's respecting, you know, particularly, you know, so so you're dealing with um, with women over 40, um, and uh, so these are women who may already have children and families who may be divorced, who may be looking for another partner. So those men need to respect that these women have kids and family responsibilities and and other things and that while a love relationship is a wonderful thing to indulge that uh the people who are dependent on them have to come first, you know, that you can't you're not going to you're not going to sacrifice your your kids' needs uh to um to indulge someone else's like that. Mhm. Yeah, I love that. And I think a lot of people get angry when you pay attention to your children. And I know I I say things that right up front that, you know, that, that my kids' needs are really important to me. And I also tell right. a man that I do prioritize him. So I think you have mm-hmm. to make both clear. Um, yes. But respecting yes. and valuing yourself, couldn't agree with you more. Um, Thomas, this has been awesome i really appreciate all your wisdom and um, boy if if we can help a few people by listening to this show to either recognize the qualities of a dysfunctional relationship in order to get out or uh, recognize the qualities of a healthy partner in order to get in um, we would have been doing a fabulous uh, fabulous thing today so um, thank you and um, tell people how they can get in touch with you sure uh, you can find me uh, on the Good Men Project, where I am an executive editor and where I write articles from time to time. Uh, I have a website, thomasgpfeiffer.com. That's uh, thomasgpfeiffer.com. And as Sandy mentioned earlier, my books, Why It Can't Work, Detaching from Dysfunctional Relationships to Make Room for True Love, and What is Love, A Guide for the Perplexed to Matters of the Heart, are both available on Amazon. Terrific. Well, thank you again, Thomas, for coming on today. And thank you all for listening to Last First Date Radio. And I hope that you all go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day.